Welcome to the Vol Bros. My name is Evan. This is my brother, Rustin, and we are the Vol Bros. Just two Vol Bros who are actually bros. And we are, man, what a great day to be a Tennessee Vol. 31-14 uh, awesome. win last night over the, the Clemson Tigers. And uh, we are super excited. To, we got a huge show, man, huge show. We got a lot of things we're going to do. We're going to talk about the Orange Bowl last night. Uh, we're going to talk about the player of the game, in our opinion, the play of the game, in our opinion. Uh, then we're going to look back over the whole 2022 season and give our thoughts over the whole season. And we're going to talk about the – we're each going to rank the top five plays of this season. And then we're going to look ahead to next year. It's never too early to look ahead next year, so way too early predictions about 2023. Huge show. We're so thankful for all of you joining us. Uh, we are using a program called StreamYard, so we would love it if you would join us in this. If you are on Facebook and YouTube or Twitter, uh, I have posted a comment – in the, this feed with a joining link. So you can actually join us on, on screen if you'd like to. Uh, all you got to do is just click that link. You'll show up backstage and we'll let you on. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your thoughts in the comments. We want to hear your thoughts on the air. If you want to join, but you don't want your face on here, you can just join and turn your camera off like a Zoom call and uh, we can hear you that way. Uh, so we're looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Please join us on the, on the air, on the screen or in the comments. Well, let's get right into it. The Orange Bowl last night. Uh, Rustin, give us your general thoughts about what you saw last night. Well, I'll go back to what we said in the preview. Um, you know, we said Squirrel White was going to need to have a big night, that Clemson was going to force him to be a factor. They were going to try to take away Brew and Ramel, and they absolutely did that. And kudos to Squirrel. He responded. Uh, he had a huge night. It's kind of his coming out party as of all. Um, I think anybody who watched that game has to feel really good about the future, um, you know, because the three guys that were out there will be the three starters next year, and and they they were ballers. Um, they they found ways to to be successful. Um, you know, we said that uh, we needed better pass rush. We needed to get pressure on Klubnik, and you know, make him be the freshman that he is. And and I feel like we did that. I was really impressed with Tim Banks, um, in spite of how awful our secondary is um, Tim Banks found ways to create pressure without putting too much pressure on the DBs. Um, you know, I, I thought our, our defensive line and linebackers played an outstanding game, you know, in, in, in some really difficult situations because they're not dumb. They know how bad the secondary was playing and, and they know we've got to go make plays because these dudes behind us aren't going to. Um, so, you know, they, they, they found ways to, to have success. Um, you know, one other thing we talked about was being creative on offense to get brew in space. And I felt like they did some really cool, creative things schematically to, to create space for brew in, in a difficult situation. Cause they pretty much double, double covered him all night. Um, so, you know, his touchdown was a, was a scheme call. It was 100% creating space for brew and what a catch um, they, man like the strength he showed oh, in his hands his, to hold his on to that hand ball. strength was, was awesome. just unbelievable um that that dude is a grown man um you know but even in the third quarter there were some there were some big plays that brew made in key situations that were scheme calls they they were just saying we are going to throw brew mccoy the ball right now how can we figure out how to get him in space so just really, really impressed with the coaching staff, with the adjustments. Um, I, I felt like it was a really well-coached night. You know, the first half, we were awful running the football. Had over 100 yards rushing in the second half. You know, that's halftime adjustments. That's them going, okay, how can we create opportunities? Jalen Wright stepped in, had a huge night. Um, Love seeing that. That that guy needs more touches. Um, he bounced out that, that run to the outside on that. Man, that was beautiful. That, that, was, that was a beautiful vision. Ginormous yeah. hole. I mean, how could you not see it? But yeah. um, that was a huge, huge play in the game. You know, uh, and, and I think Graham the other thing, I think the other thing that's real important said, to note. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Okay, Douglas Graham on YouTube said, big win. Defense played great in the red zone. It's, that's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. Beasley was a beast. Totally agree, man. Aaron Beasley had the game of his life. It was by far his best game as of all. What Thank I'm you, most love I appreciate it. What I most love is – you know, Clemson fans had a built-in excuse in the first half. Their their kicker struggled, missed three field goals. They could have easily have said, "Well, if this had happened, yeah, that poor dude but, had a rough night." <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, they'll yank his scholarship. Um, he's he's a preferred walk on today. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, they had a built in excuse and we left no doubt like that excuse would not have mattered. OK, fine. You can have your nine points back. We still win by eight. Um, yep. You know, so that that was nice to see. Um, I thought the other thing that was really, really important to note, we did not have the full playbook. Um, Taven Jackson clearly was not cleared to play. Um, Gaston Moore would have been the backup if something had happened to Joe. So for them to put 31 points on the board, trying to protect Joe and not running everything they normally would um, was, was really impressive. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think, you know, but the biggest takeaway for me from last night was our coaching staff coached rings around him. Like, I, I mean, our coaching staff, they were the MVPs of that game. Uh, yeah. If we had to pick a, a, a real MVP, they did an incredible job. Um, I loved what Hinn and Hooker said in the interview during, during the first half on the sideline. You know, they asked him, what what is Josh Heupel brought to this team? And he said, he's a great teacher. And he surrounded us with other great teachers. And we saw that in firsthand last night. Uh, that was the biggest takeaway for me was the fact that our coaching staff did an incredible job. The second thing that, that really jumped out to me was, and because you're, you're exactly right, and we talked about this on our preview show. If you haven't seen our preview show, uh, you can go back and watch that from earlier this week. Um, we said, Klubnik, there's, there's film on him now, and this is his first start as a true freshman. How, to, how does he respond when the lights are on him, the bright, big lights? And there were a couple times where his him being a freshman was evident. Uh, both of them immediately come to my mind are in the first half. There was one play where they, they were trying to set up a screen. To the, and I'm going to say the top part of the screen because that's what it was on my TV. <laughs> uh, but on the top of my screen, there were three Clemson receivers to the top of the screen. We had two defenders trying to guard three receivers with no safety over the top there was a corner and a linebacker that That math doesn't work and instead of Klubnik immediately recognizing that and throwing that screen immediately that dude probably still running if 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 he had thrown immediately but he didn't recognize me instead he looked to the, the other side of the field first came back to this side then through the screen well by that time Aaron Beasley had enough time to get past hit the one of the receivers and make a tackle for a loss um if he had thrown that immediately, man, they had numbers for days over there. I'm thankful he didn't notice it, but that was a freshman mistake by Klubnik. Um, the second one was, and you saw, you got to see in real time the difference in maturity of a senior and a freshman on the last play of the first half. No timeouts. If anybody on the field has is responsible for knowing we have no timeouts, it's the quarterback. And he tries to take off running. Tyler Barron holds him up, tackles him, and then knowing they're running out of time, lays on him for a minute and is slow to get up off of him just to let the clock run out. Uh, well, so and, it was, the, and it was fourth down, so he couldn't spike the ball. There was no way they could get the field goal unit on on time. So it was either throw it in the end zone, you know, make a quick read, throw it in the end zone and live to play another day, get a field goal, or hang on to it and the clock's going to run out because the field goal unit can't possibly get out there fast enough. Right, and he didn't throw it away to try no. to get that field goal. And so, you know, that was very clearly a freshman mistake. And you could see that, too, in Dabo's reaction after it. But uh, those were the two biggest things that jumped out to me. Uh, obviously, our defense was incredible. I'm going to save the other thing that – well, I'll say it right now. I'll go first on player of the game. So as, if we're talking about a player of the game, my player of the game was Aaron Beasley. Uh, yep. Just like uh, Doug Graham on uh, – uh, YouTube just just commented a second ago. I'll put his comment back up there. He said Beasley was a beast. Absolutely, uh, totally agree. Uh, he was he was the difference in the defense this game. Um, I mean, my goodness, he was everywhere. Uh, just uh, the the first blitz he had, where the you could see the center like, oh no, <laughs> like as he went past him, um, that was awesome and. He was he was the difference maker on defense. He was also involved in my play of the game, which we'll get to in a minute. But who was your player of the game? Aaron Beasley. Um, any anytime you get twelve tackles, ten of them solo, you know our secondary are terrible. Other than Danico Slaughter, our secondary are terrible tacklers. 
So if he doesn't make 10 yeah. solo tackles, we're, we're banking on dudes who don't tackle well at all to, to get us off the field. So 10 solo tackles by a linebacker in, in an orange bowl is just unbelievable. But then when you add on top of it, he had two sacks and four tackles for loss. That's an unbelievable night. And, and honestly, I think, I think what I enjoyed most about it was when you think back to South Carolina, what was missing at South Carolina was no one was leading the defense. And everybody immediately looked and said, well, it's because Jeremy Banks isn't here. And I think, I think that was a byproduct of them having the altercation, learning late in the week that Jeremy wouldn't be there. Nobody got the opportunity in practice to assert themselves as, okay, now I'm the man. You know, coming into this one, they knew Banks wasn't playing. So Aaron Beasley had time in practice to go, it's all right, guys, I got this. I'm the man now. And, and he went out there and proved it. That, that dude is officially the captain of the defense for next year. They all know he's our guy. Um, we go as he goes. Yeah, he had an incredible game. Um, he was also involved in my play of the game. So, and, and let's, before we say that, that, that takes nothing away from Joe Milton. Joe Milton had an incredible game. Um, he, I mean, that, that, the pass he made to Brew, that was a pro throw, man. The yeah. first touchdown of the game. Uh, when he threw the 50-yard pass to Squirrel, which Squirrel White, my goodness, true freshman, first start. He has over 100 yards receiving. and it, I mean, that's yeah. an incredible game. Um, that 50-yard pass to Squirrel, I mean, it was just I, – I don't know how he does it, man. It's just like a – eh, okay, I guess I'll throw it down there. He just kind of flicks his wrist and it goes Off 50 yards foot. in the air. He didn't yeah, even get crazy. set. He was moving up in the pocket and recognized he needed to let it go, and he just flipped it. Yep. That's crazy. And then, and then the pass he had to Keaton, that was a beautiful touch on that pass. And, and once again, it looks like he, he has to let up. And, and, it, and it's like most people will be giving it, you know, a crow hop into it and th- chucking it down the field that far. He's just like, uh, I got to throw it 45 yards in the air. I guess I better ease up on this one, you know. And he just lets it, lets it out of his hand. It's crazy. Vol Football so, tweeted a pregame video of all the quarterbacks warming up. And they tweeted it because they were all dancing to Rocky Top. But if, if anybody gets a chance, go back and watch that video and watch how Joe is warming up. He's throwing 95 mile per hour missiles at some poor <laughs> manager that's standing 15 <laughs> yards away. That kid has to be battered and bruised today. Yes. I mean, it, it, it is. The ball is just exploding out of his hand. And he, I mean, the guy's like 10, 10, 15 yards away. And he's just out there, you know, doing everything he can not to get killed. <laughs> Yeah, he, uh, like they said on game day this morning, elite arm talent. And that was another thing, you know, as we're talking about the Orange Bowl, how nice was it if you saw game day this morning, college game day on ESPN, if you saw that show this morning, they did their season recap video, kind of like the one shining moment kind of video (laughs) from March Madness, but they did the season recap for football this year. And instead of you see in Tennessee players chasing down Alabama players running into the end zone and all this kind of stuff like we see every year for the past 10 years. It was like showcasing Tennessee doing good stuff, man. It was awesome. Uh, Ramel Keaton's diving catch was on there. They did a whole like few seconds just about Hendon Hooker. Um, it was awesome, man, getting to see you like the other side. They showed the, the, the field being flooded with Tennessee fans after the Bama win. Uh, it, was, it was really cool. Uh, so our play of the game, well, from last night, our play of the game. You want to go first? You want me to? I think we have the same one. Okay, you go ahead. Let's see. We didn't talk about either of these in advance, so it's funny that we're both saying the same things. But uh, mine was the Aaron Beasley, Juwan Mitchell, fourth down stop of Will Shipley yep. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, um, that was mine too. You could feel the you could feel the momentum in the stadium literally flip in that moment. And it was like you you could see it tangibly. Clemson players are like, all right, it's over. We just lost. Yep. Um, and you know, again, I think it's a statement thing that Aaron Beasley was in on that hit. He stood him up. Jawan Mitchell came in, cleaned it up. I hate to give Kamal, Kamal Haddon any credit because he I'm fine if that dude hits the portal today, but um, <laughs> Kamal Haddon came in, cleaned it up. Will Shipley was actually stretching the ball out, and I was afraid they were going to spot it first down, but Kamal Haddon threw his shoulder into him and knocked him backwards and caused him to drop straight down. Um, but, you know, yeah. the fact that 
again, go back to the last 10 years. How many fourth down plays in the last 10 years have we had a linebacker meet a big-time running back at the line of scrimmage and we lost and, mm-hmm. and ended up three yards across the line of, or three yards downfield for a first down? For the first time in a long time, we made a big-time stand and a big-time play, and, and you could feel it. Everybody knew in that moment this game just ended. You know, that's a really good point that you just said, because I was sitting there as you were saying that I was trying to think back. And the only one I can remember for the past decade was Daniel Batuli at, at Kentucky. Yep. Uh, when he and the, on the goal line stand. But you're right. That's, that's all I can think of. Yeah, uh, I can't think of another one where. We dominated a, a, a one on one situation like that. Um and I mean, never against not... a good team. That was Kentucky. I'm talking about against good right. teams. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Rustin's exactly right. Neither one of us talked about this beforehand, but we both had the exact same player of the game and the exact same play of the game. That was my play of the game for sure, because that, like Rustin said, you talk about momentum shifting. Oh my goodness. That was decisive in the game like like we you will not win kind of thing (laughs) i mean that was a huge huge momentum shift um speaking of the orange bowl i'm gonna share my screen with you real quick it just so happens uh that as of 150 this morning (laughs) uh we have a two brand new shirts on our on our site the champions orange and it's got the score and uh, the date there, that's the first one. And the other one is the best orange. Uh, you got the score and the date on that one too. Both are only $24.99 on thevolbros.com. Uh, so we invite you to check out thevolbros.com. And in celebration of the Orange Bowl win, if you use the code orange, you get 10% off your order for the next week. So how about them apples that's, or oranges, I should say. Uh, that's pretty good stuff right there, man. Um, so let's move on to our next topic. And that is, let's recap this season. Uh, looking back over 2022, what are your thoughts looking back over this season? Well, I think if if you had said to anybody at the beginning of the year, when everybody was predicting eight and four, maybe nine and three, if you had said to anybody, hey, we're going to finish 11 and two, and at one point we're going to be ranked number one in the country, the next sentence out of their mouth would have been, I hope your place of employment doesn't do random drug testing. <laughs> um, because nobody saw that coming. And, and especially again, with the, with the issues we have in the secondary um, for that coaching staff to find a way to be 11 and two again, even last night, I mean, last night, everybody going into last night was like, this could, this is a total coin toss. Who knows what's going to happen yeah. um, to go out there and play the way they did and to scheme opportunities the way they did. This coaching staff deserves all the money in the world. Um, Back up the Brinks truck. Let's lock them down for a very, very long time, except maybe Willie Martinez. But, um, you know, let's let's lock down the rest of them for a really, really long time. I like Willie Martinez, big Willie Martinez fan, but I'm starting to wonder if the game has passed him by. Um, Let's see what he does with this this recruiting class. Well, I'm not sure I'm willing to give him a chance anymore. (laughs) Um, you know, when, when, when the top defensive secondary in the country is currently being coached by a former Vol, I, I kind of want to go get that dude. Um, so, you know, JJ McCleskey's at Tulane. He had the number one pass defense in America. I kind of want the former Vol with the number one secondary in America coaching at Tennessee. Um, no offense to Willie Martinez, but when the same issues keep happening over and over and over. I mean, my goodness, how hard is it to not put your hands up and turn your head around and find the ball? Yeah. Um, In the first half last night, Clemson's entire offense was just throw it deep and get a pass interference call. Um, So, well, and, and you make a good point there. You know, I immediately Twitter is a beacon of rationality and, (laughs) um, just you know it's it's a it's a wonderful wonderful place but um last night in the first half Kamal Haddon had one of the most obvious pass interference calls I've ever seen in my life and immediately Vol Twitter erupted with how is that pass interference I'm like 
It was the textbook definition yeah. of pass interference. Yeah. They'll literally he, use that in teach tapes. Yeah, for real. Like he never once turned his head to attempt to even find the ball at all. Um, and then I'm sure as soon as he got the pass interference call, he immediately started talk, talking trash to the Clemson sideline. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but there was there was a, a one in particular. Well, the holding in the first half last night against a Tennessee being held by Clemson and that was never yeah. called. That was incredibly frustrating. That poor Roman Harrison. And there was one time the dude literally had him by the throat, like in the uh, holding his neck, trying because he was passing and no call. But anyway, I'm glad you mentioned were, Roman. Roman was actually my backup to Aaron Beasley for player of the game. I felt like Roman Harrison had his absolute best game as a Vol, and it won't show up in the stat line because he was right. getting held all night long. Right. Um, but he, he created havoc. havoc in the backfield. Yeah, yeah, he created a lot of havoc. Absolutely. Um, I want to show as we talk about the 20. Well, here we got to just got a comment. Let's see. Douglas Graham said DBs not turning their heads is disappointing. Totally agree. Yeah. And it's uh, coaching. It's, yep. Uh, you notice the one time they did it was Nico Slaughter and beautiful, great beautiful play. coverage. No pass interference. Um, but that was, it's sad that we're saying that's the only time in the whole game right. that they did it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. Um, that was disappointing, but our defensive, our front seven, man, they they dominated that game. You know, go, that's and that's interesting because going into the game, Clemson's front seven is is the talk. I mean, like best one of the best in the country. And man, our front seven just showed them up without and and our starting front, middle linebacker. Their front seven played well um, in the second yeah, half. Sure. We made some in the second half. We made yeah. some great adjustments, but in the first half, they whipped our offensive line's tails. I mean. Our, our offensive line yeah. did not look good in the first half. Especially in the running game. Yeah. So, as we talk about the 2022 season here, I want to uh, do a soft flex here. Um, this just so happens to be – you'll notice the date at the top of this right here. Uh, September the 1st. This was opening day for the University of Tennessee Volunteers this year. And I posted this on Facebook that day giving my prediction for that night, which I was pretty close to that one, but also for the whole season. And I want you to look down here in the highlighted part. I said, but I say if, and that's a big if, the offensive and defensive lines stay healthy, Tennessee goes 10-2 and two and ends up in a New Year's Six bowl game. Nostra Piercemus uh, right there. Uh, that, that is like on the money, buddy. And uh, you'll notice I said if the offensive line stays healthy, well, last night, the five starting offensive linemen were the same five starting offensive linemen on September 1st. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, they were able to stay healthy throughout the season. And so I I was pretty pumped when I looked back and, and looked at my season prediction and, and I nailed it. That was pretty good. I, I, I missed the two losses. I, I predicted a loss to Bama and Georgia, but. Oh well, uh, still got the still got the number right in the in the the bowl game right New Year's Six bowl, um, so that was pretty cool. But uh, as you know, somebody tweeted earlier: if somebody had told you in July of of twenty twenty two this year, July, we would finish the season eleven and two, have beaten LSU, Georgia, uh, Bama, uh, Pitt, Florida, Florida, and Clemson in a New Year's Six bowl game, what would your response have been? <laughs> Exactly, just like you mentioned a minute ago, man. That this is undeniably a major, major successful season. And yeah. honestly, I totally agree with a bunch of people that I've seen on Twitter saying, because there are a lot of great opinions on Twitter too. Um, a lot of people said this is the year that we're going to look back on years from now and say that's when we turn it around. That's when Tennessee was back. Like Hendon Hooker said in his letter, "We matter now." That's that's Butch the point. Jones. We matter Butch now. Jones's third season when his roster was littered with NFL talent and in his fourth season, when he had even more NFL talent who most of which are still in the pros and doing very well, both years they went nine and four. So for Josh Heupel to go 11 and two in year two with a roster that still isn't full and, and uh, you know, a bunch of guys transferring in who are just kind of hoping that they'll re reinvent their careers it's just amazing. Totally agree. Totally agree. So with that being said, 
Let's talk about our top five plays of the season. We're going to alternate back and forth. I'm going to let Rustin go first, and uh, and then I'll give my – we'll go back and forth, five, five, four, four, that kind of way. So you go ahead, Rustin. What's your top – your number five play of the 2022 season? Well, I need to start my top five with a disclaimer. Um, a lot of people know this, but a lot don't. Nick Saban coaches the defensive backs at Alabama. Um, he's not a head coach who helps out with that position. He is the defensive backs position coach. He coaches them every day. He runs all the drills. Um, Nick Saban's considered one of the greatest DB coaches of all time. You know, so he has the thought process of, I can't hire anybody who can do it better than me, so I'm going to do it myself. Um, So I just say that in advance of my top five. So number five for me was Jalen Hyatt's first touchdown against Alabama. Um, Felt like it set the tone for the night. Um, I felt like it was a, it was a huge play in the, in the, in kind of the momentum, you know, there was so much energy coming into that game and then for him to score on a big play right off the bat early in the game, I felt like it set the tone for, for the noise and the volume that were in that stadium all night. So my top five, um, this was difficult because you know, how do you do, there's so many different ways you could do this. You could do like most iconic plays. Uh, you could do most important plays, most physically impressive plays. I mean, like there's so many different ways. So I, I kind of did a combination of all of them. And so my number five was Trayvon Flowers interception against Pitt in the first half uh, in the back of the end zone. That was a huge play. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, you could look maybe back at that single play and the course of Tennessee's season went and turned in that one play uh, because without that, you know, at that point it was 17 to seven. If, if they score there, who knows if Tennessee's able to come back and catch them. Um, that was a huge, 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 tremendous game-changing play. So that was my number five. What's your number four? Number four is Jalen Hyatt's second touchdown against Alabama. <laughs> um, again, it was a momentum play. It was, you know, it was 14-7. All of a sudden he scores at the end of the first quarter. First quarter ends, it's 21-7. The Bama sideline's going nuts. Nick Saban's over there screaming at anybody remotely close to him. And, yep. and the, the is, meme from this season of Saban yeah. going crazy was yeah. shortly and, thereafter. And Neyland, and Neyland is exploding. You know, yep. it, it was a huge moment. Yep. Yeah, after that botched punt, that was when uh, the punt returned. That was when we had the, the, the classic Saban meme on the sideline. My number four was Ramel Keaton's diving catch against Florida. Listen, it, that game was circled on everybody's map, man. It was on everybody's calendar. You got to beat Florida. You got to beat Florida this year. And that catch, oh my goodness, that showed the level of effort Tennessee was going to put in to beat Florida this year. That that catch was actually featured on College Game Day this morning yeah. as one of the plays of the year. Um, they had a whole string of just all these awesome catches throughout the year, and that was one of them. It was beautiful thing of beauty, just a thing of beauty. What's your number three? So – We've got momentum at the end of the first quarter. It's 21-7. Bama fights back, gets back in the game. We get in the third quarter. Bama has tied it up. And my number three, Jalen Hyatt catches his third touchdown pass to get us the lead again and really take back momentum from Alabama in the third quarter. Absolutely. Uh, My number three happened last night, and it was both of our plays of the game. The fourth down stop against Clemson. Oh, my goodness. I mean, total momentum-changing play. Uh, I mean, Clemson had been just pounding the ball, bam, 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 right down our throats. for, And then we stopped them on a, on with their best running back trying to get that short yardage gain. We stopped them. That was awesome, man. What, what a game-changing play. That was my number four. What was your number – or, excuse me, my number three play of the, the season. What was your number two play of the season? So we're in the third quarter again. <laughs> Alabama has just regained the lead 35-34, and it's a slugfest. Both teams are going back and forth, and holy crap, Jalen Hyatt catches another one. Touchdown number four, and we go back up 42-35. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my so my number two also includes Jalen Hyatt. Uh, his first touchdown catch against LSU, the one that 
Chad Ochocinco tweeted about after it goes, who's number 11? <laughs> um, that that play, man, beautiful pass by Hannon Hooker. Hyatt just straight up burned the, the defensive back for LSU. Very reminiscent of when he burned uh, Patrick Sertain Jr. as a freshman against Bama uh, yeah. with, in, at, in Neyland Stadium. Uh, but that, man, beautiful ball by Hennon Hooker. Uh, just dropped it right in there. Hyatt makes the catch. And that kind of – I mean, the first play of the whole season was a Jalen Hyatt touchdown play, uh, the first offensive play. But that that catch, man, that Cedric was not playing. And that was like, okay, it's the Jalen Hyatt show now. And that kind of set the tone. And that carried it all the way through the Bama game, obviously. Uh, that put him on the map. It put him on Chad Ochocinco's radar too. So uh, that was that was a huge play in the course of the season. Uh, uh, that that was my number two. What's your top play of the 2022 season? So I have an honorable mention. Honorable mention is Chase McGrath with no hardly any time left on the clock. Field goal to win against Bama, 52-49. Changed yeah, that's the kind of a big complexion one. <laughs> of all of Tennessee football history. But a lot of people don't remember Chase McGrath doesn't get the opportunity to make that kick if Jalen Hyatt doesn't score touchdown number five with three <laughs> minutes left in the game. With three minutes left in the game, Tennessee's down 49-42, and Jalen Hyatt scores his fifth touchdown of the night. And 30 years from now, every person who is a Tennessee fan will be saying, I can tell you exactly where I was when Jalen Hyatt scored five touchdowns against a Nick Saban coach defensive secondary against Alabama and Neyland under the lights with Checker Neyland, with the light show, with everything else. People, people don't understand. Scoring five touchdowns in any Power 5 game is just an unbelievable feat. To do yeah. it in that game and to change yeah. the complexion of all of Tennessee football history, Against that, that, is a, team. that is an iconic night. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I almost had as my number one the Jalen Hyatt touchdown. That's will be forever remember, you know, remembered as as the Alabama player on his hands and knees after they collide, you know, the two Bama DBs collided and Hyatt splits them and, and you know takes it to the house. And the, the iconic photo of Jalen Hyatt just running away, looking back over his shoulder at the DB that's on the ground, you know, that I almost had that one as my number one. But my number one play was Chase McGrath's winning field goal against Alabama. I mean, that was just – that will, like you said, that that's going to go down as – we'll see that in, in replays for years and years and years. Just like, you know um, – uh, the the field goal against Florida in in 2004. I mean, you know, we're we're gonna see this for years and years and years and years. Um, so that was my number my number one play. All right, last thing of the show. This has been a fun show, and we have we had a lot of people watching too. Thank you all for watching. I appreciate it. We got three platforms going: uh, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And so we'd love to hear your top plays of the season too. You can put those in the comments if you want to join our show. You can click on that link in the comments. And you can join us on air if you want to. But the last thing we're going to do is uh, we're going to look at the 2023 season. And so I've got the schedule right here for us. So this is our way too early 2023 predictions. We'll, we'll take it game by game. First game of the year, neutral site game in Nashville against Virginia. I mean, can we both agree this is going to be a win? <laughs> Boat race. Yeah. I mean, that, that's going to be a win. Hang 50 on them. And, uh, you know, obviously Virginia has come, they, they haven't, they didn't even finish this season because of the tragedy that happened on their campus. Uh, so obviously uh, we hope that they're recovering well from that uh, mentally and emotionally. Um, but that, that game, I, I would pick Tennessee in that game. Yep. Uh, Austin P. I would, I would love, I would love for Austin P to survive that without significant injury or death. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, I think we can agree that's going to be a Tennessee win there. Yeah. Um. Third week of the season, we're going to Gainesville. So, my humble opinion, 
any other year, well, I mean, I'm still obviously, you know, concerned about it, but any other year I would be more concerned than I would be this. Florida's in shambles right now. I know they just pulled in a top 10 recruiting class. I get that. I get that. Still freshman. Exactly. And who's going to be their quarterback? Right. I mean, they got, I think the kid from Wisconsin just transferred down there. Yep. I mean, Graham Mertz. I mean, like, it, if there was a year where Tennessee should walk into Gainesville and dominate with, with no question about who's the better team, it should be 2023. Yeah. And so, in my well, what's opinion, amazing, what's amazing is what Tennessee has always struggled with Florida with is a mobile quarterback. So Billy Napier went out and signed the most immobile quarterback he could possibly find. So <laughs> not concerned about that one. I'm actually more concerned about the next week than that one. Yeah, I was actually just about to say that. UTSA is they're good. Like they're yeah, legit. They're very good. Um, they have a they've this I mean, I'm assuming that he'll be back next year. If he's not, I'm assuming, I guess I'll have another guy to replace him. But their quarterback this year is extremely mobile. Uh really good quarterback. That's a massive that trap game. When, yeah. when you've got a team the caliber of UTSA who wins 9-10 games every year sandwiched in between Florida and South Carolina, yep, that, that, that has trap game written all over it. You're exactly right. Because you know after this year, all eyes are going to be looking at that September 30th game against yeah. Carolina. Um, that's, that, I totally agree. That's a major trap game. I think Tennessee escapes it. But, man, that – I do too. That's a, I think that's it'll a be a lot. One. I think it'll be a lot closer than people are comfortable with. Absolutely, no <clears> doubt <throat> about it. All right, so the next week <laughs> we're gonna don a bunch of pit vipers. We're gonna play that thing at seven <laughs> o'clock at night, and we're gonna hang eighty on his sorry tail. Yeah, that's gonna be Shane Beamer. Run that score up as high as it can possibly <laughs> go. Yeah, that one. I I do not. I would not want to be a South Carolina Gamecock player or fan uh, that night. You want to talk about a game circle on the calendar. That's it right there, buddy. That is it. Uh, That one, mm, that's not going to be pretty. Uh, Yeah. As competitive as Josh Heupel is, that's one thing about him as a coach, man, that he is is a competitor. Mm -hmm. And he keeps receipts. Yeah, you know that game is going to be on his radar. And you know that game's going to be on the radar of every single one of the 101-915 that walk into Neyland Stadium that night, yep. too. Um, it's going to be loud. That is yep. going to be an awesome game. Awesome atmosphere. The next – so we have a bye week after South Carolina. There's a bye week. And then we host Texas A&M. In my opinion, if there was ever a year to host Texas A&M, after a bye week, it's going to be 2023. That sets up beautifully for Tennessee, in my opinion. Yep. If there's anybody that's more of a dumpster fire than Florida, it's A&M. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I mean, they're scrambling. They are scrambling right now. And so that's that's going to be a, a primetime win, in my opinion, for Tennessee. Yep. That, I, I bet that game will be under the lights. Um, that's going to be a, a rowdy stadium. It's going to be that's going to be a big win for Tennessee going into Tuscaloosa. So in my opinion, I think this, this will be Tennessee's first loss of the season. It's, I mean, it's, it's hard going into Tuscaloosa to win anyway, but especially when you just beat them this year. I mean, like, you know how we got South Carolina circled on our calendar. Well, they're going to have Tennessee circle on their calendar. And I think it'll be an extremely close game but I think Alabama is going to pull it out assuming they can, you know, so get we their quarterback situation straightened out. So we disagree on this one. Ole Miss under Hugh Freeze gave Nick Saban fits running an up-tempo, no huddle, Art Bryles based system. Yep. Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin, not this year, but in prior years, gave Nick Saban fits. Why? Jeff Lebby was calling plays running Art Bryles' system. The exact system that Josh Heupel has taken and made even better. And 
I think we are Nick Saban's um, kryptonite. Um, kryptonite. Yeah, I, I think I think I think he struggles to to figure out how to slow this down. And you know what makes him great is his ability to change up defensive looks, bring different looks. When you're going fast, you don't get that benefit. You don't get that luxury. And it's why Jalen Hyatt had five touchdowns. Um, I honestly, Bama's going to go through a bunch of coaching changes. They're going to have a new offensive coordinator. They're going to have a quarterback controversy on their hands. Um, I, yeah, I'm honestly, I, I think we win this thing. I think it'll be close, but I, I think we're the favorite going into this game. Yeah, you're right. There will definitely be a quarterback controversy in Tuscaloosa next year. Uh, there is no doubt about that. So any Bama fan that thinks there's not going to be, no, nah, there's going to be. Whoever gets the OC job, that's going to say a lot about what direction they're leaning because the two quarterbacks yeah. they're going to be they're going to be fighting for that job are not comparable. They are two yeah, very, right. very different players. You're very right. Absolutely. Well, the next week after Bama, we go to Lexington. Uh, I think personally, I think Kentucky's going to take a major step back next year. Um, I mean, they're losing, you know, the number one overall quarterback in the draft apparently. And so, uh, <laughs> I mean like that, they're going to take, they're going to take a major step back. Um, I think we go in there and we hand it to them again. Yeah, I think, um, they, they'll be, they'll be okay. Um, they'll look different. Um, their running back depth is going to be awful. Um, but sure. they did get, they did get Devin Leary. Um, you know, he's transferring to North Carolina state and if they can convince Liam Cohen for sure to come be their OC again, um, Liam Cohen's a great play caller and, and he, and he will scheme up things to make Devin Leary good. You know, look at, look at Will Levis under Liam Cohen versus Will Levis this year. Um, you know, so I, I don't, I don't think we're going to have any issue beating them. I think it's going to be, you know, I think we're back to normal. Kentucky's always going to be a win. Um, but I think Liam Cohen will find ways to keep them in the game. Well, the week after that, we got the mighty Huskies of Connecticut. Yeah, that's uh, a win. <laughs> yeah, we'll just keep on going. Uh, so at this point, I'm saying how many games we got so far? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So at this point, I'm saying we're eight and one. You're saying we're nine and oh. If yes, they're nine are. and oh at this point, they're at least at the worst number two in the country behind Georgia. Yep. Because I'm assuming at this point Georgia would be number one in the country. But who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. crazy stuff happens. So then we go to M- Missouri. It'll be cold because it's going to be November in Columbia, Missouri. It'll be freezing cold. What do you think happens there? Josh Heupel very much knows Missouri. He knows how to call against them. He has their number. He has always had their number. I don't think it matters if we play this thing in South Dakota. We're 40 points better. (laughs) So one of the plays that was almost in my top five plays of the season for this year was against Missouri this year. Um, There was a fourth down play. And it was it was still a close game. It was only a one-score game at the time. And we were on the Missouri 45-yard line. And Hinton Hooker hit Jalen Hyde on a quick slant. And the throw was a little bit high. And Hyde made an incredible catch and caught the ball. And then extended that drive. We ended up scoring. That was a huge um, – excuse me. That was a huge momentum-shifting play in that game. Yeah. That was almost in my top five for this year. Uh, I think this one's going to be close. Uh, I, I think that, I mean, close is a relative term. I think we'll probably win by like, you know, 14 or 17 points, but um, closer than it has been with Missouri. I'll put it that way. Definitely not a 56 point blowout or something like it was this year. But um, I think that, you know, the cold might get to them a little bit. Uh, they're not Elsa. The cold might bother them anyway. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it'll be, it'll be closer Closer than this year, I'll put it that way. But I do think they win, which sets up. Look at this. Talk about an incredible last two games of the season. Um, obviously, you know this year we played our last two games of the season away from home. Next year we get to host our last two games of the season. One of which is the Georgia Bulldogs uh, the week after Missouri. So, what do you think happens with Georgia? 
Um, it'll be all eyes. It'll be number one versus number two. Um, both will be undefeated. It'll be the CBS 330 game or whoever has it next year. Um, ABC next year. Yeah, ABC 330 game. Um, it's going to be hard to get used to saying that. Yeah, um, I Again, I, I, so I'm a big Todd Munkin fan. Um, I think he's a fantastic play caller. I think he does a really good job getting his playmakers the ball. Georgia's going to have a lot of turnover to sort through. Yes, um, they are. They're going to have they did this year too. They're they're going to they're going to have a quarterback controversy early in the year. By this game, it'll be sorted out. Their starter will be identified. Um, so they hope. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's kind of like with Alabama. Until we beat them, I have a hard time picking against them. Um, so I had us finishing, I had us finishing 11 and one next year. I think this is our sole loss. Um, honestly, at this point in the season, I hate that it's this late because we could have a Ohio state Michigan scenario on our hands from this year. That's a great Um, point. I thought about that. That's a great point. Um, so I hope it's really, really close so that the committee doesn't botch this and take us out of the top four. Um, because I think we're going to be one of the top four teams in the country next year. Yep. So I too have us going 11 and one next year because <laughs> we're beating them Bulldogs, baby. That's my, that's my, that's my big one for next year. Uh, you know, just like South Carolina circled on the, we get them. So, so get, you all heard it here first. Evan is an Alabama fan. Uh, <laughs> Now, just like we got South Carolina circled on that calendar, we got Georgia circled on that calendar next year, too. Coming to Neyland. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine the scene that game will be? Woo, that's going to be a good one. And we're going to beat them. Like, that's that's my that's my upset special for next year. Uh, Georgia, you know, Brent, they'll be having a new quarterback. Uh, I, I, we, I don't know. There's something about it. You know, like – you look at games and you just get this feeling like, ah, that's going to be different. Well, that's going to be different. Uh, we're, we're taking that one. Uh, that's my, I'm calling my shot now. Hey, I nailed, I nailed it this year. I said, we'd be 10 and two and in a new year, six bowl. I nailed it. So that's my shot for next year. We're 11 and one and we're beating Georgia at home. That's, that's my shot. I'm, I'm pumped about that one. Uh, obviously we both said we're going 11 and one. So we both have wins over Vandy. <laughs> Um, but my goodness, talk about a trap game. If they beat Georgia, if they beat Georgia and they're sitting at 10 and 10 and one or, or, or 11 and zero at that point, depending on if they win or lose against Bama, um, that could be a major trap game. Cause at that point they are going to Atlanta for the SEC championship. If they win that game, um, there would be no doubt. I don't think it matters. Um, Vanderbilt's top two playmakers on offense and their leading tackler are all in the portal. Actually, the leading tackler's already gone to Auburn. Um, I'm not concerned about Vandy at all next year. I, I think Vandy's actually going to drop significantly. And um, well, hey, man, I think they're, they're, they're going to, they're, they're working on becoming the best team in the country at SEC Media Days this year. <laughs> yeah. I hope they don't do random drug testing at Vanderbilt either. Yeah. Um, he, um, he's delusional. Um, when you're starting running back, who was your primary threat, is no longer on campus and you have nobody behind him, and yeah. your top receiver is no longer on campus and you have nobody behind him, and your absolute best player on defense is now at Auburn. No, there's nobody on that depth chart that's going to replace that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I mean, I think Tennessee's going to win that one too, but I think that one might end up being a little bit closer. Uh, but you got to understand, there's also going to be a whole lot of emotions going on that night, senior night. That's going to be senior night for a bunch of important people. Sure. Uh, our offensive line, hey, I'm telling you what, if we want to make a run at the playoff, it needs to be in 2023. Because 2024, yeah. we're going to have a brand new offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, four, four of our five offensive line starters from this year are returning. The only one that's not is Darnell Wright. And they've you know gone to the portal and got the kid from Texas. And he's going to probably fill in that spot. So um, this this is a this is a a big year. 2023 is a big year for Tennessee football. If they want to make a run at the playoff, it needs to be in 2023 because the way yeah. the schedule sets up for them, 
Florida is going to be down. Texas A&M is going to be down. They get Texas A&M at home. Um, South Carolina, they get them at home. Kentucky is going to be down. Vanderbilt's going to be down. And they get Georgia at home. Mm-hmm. So if there was ever a year for them to make it to Atlanta, it's 2023. Like this, that they got to they got to make a run in 2023. Honestly, I kind of hope we lose a close game to Georgia, so we don't have to go to Atlanta um, because the West is going to be really good, or the top three in the West are going to be really good next year, and Atlanta could be a problem for the playoffs. Um, I would rather yeah, be 11 and one be sitting at number three nationally and not have to worry about Atlanta messing up our playoff chances. Yeah, that's fair. Well, y'all heard it here first. Tennessee goes 11 and one in 2023. Both of us are predicting that 11 and one. Um, it's going to be a fun year ahead of us. It is. I mean, squirrel white had his coming out party last night. Uh, it'll be a fun, fun year ahead of us. Uh, we thank you all so much for joining us today. Um, we hope that uh, you, you continue following along with us. We got basketball season you know, in full swing now. We got both the basketballs and the Lady Vols starting off their year with SEC wins. That's huge. Um, baseball practice starts next play. week. Yep, we got baseball practice starting. So, I mean, it's a fun time to be a Vol. That's for sure. Got my so Mike Concho you- shirt on right now. <laughs> Uh, so we hope you all you know, stick with us. Uh, keep keep tune in. Uh, hey, text a buddy, man. We we would so appreciate it if you tell people about uh, the Volbros. You can find us at at the Volbros on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, you know, share uh, share our podcast with folks. We love it if you subscribe uh, to our channel. Uh, we would really appreciate that. Uh, click that notification bell so you'll always know when we're about to go live. Um, we're going to, we're going to keep having fun doing this. We love it. Uh, we also wish all of you a a happy and healthy 2023. Uh, this is, we hope everybody has a safe evening tonight. Uh, we look forward to the next time we'll, we'll, we hadn't discussed yet. We'll be going live again, but it'll be sometime within the next week. So, uh, keep, keep tune in at the Volbros on Twitter and and, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and we'll let you know when we're going live again. Rustin, any last thoughts about 2022 as we head into 2023? I can't remember the exact number, but I want to say I saw a stat the other day that in 2022, the Vols at home, baseball, basketball, and football finished something like 62 and five. Yep. Only five losses. That was it. I don't know if there's that a better home, home campus advantage in America than that. That's just unbelievable. You're exactly right. Um, it is a good time to be of all. It is a good yep. time to be of all. So with that, happy new year, everyone. And we will see you all very, very soon. Happy new year, guys.